This is Downtown Lowdown with Downtown Halifax Business Commission. Welcome to Episode 45 of Downtown Lowdown with Downtown Halifax Business Commission, recorded on March 25th, 2021. This is where you can find out all you need or want to know about Downtown Halifax. I'm Ivy Ho, Director of Communications. And I'm Alana McDonald-Mills, Director of Marketing. We are your hosts for Downtown Lowdown. We'll be giving you the lowdown on what's new in business, resources, and issues that affect downtown. We also talk to key individuals that help to make downtown Halifax better. On this episode in BizBuzz, we have business updates and milestones. We also talk about excellent window decorating for Easter and Easter gift ideas. Open City, Soli Productions, the fabric of our DNA, and picking up after your dog. But first, Ivy will be talking to Tarek Haddad, founder and CEO of Peace by Chocolate. Tarek will be sharing his story about his journey as a Syrian refugee and successful entrepreneur. We have Tarek Haddad, founder and CEO of Peace by Chocolate. Prior to being forced to flee from Syria during the country's civil war in 2012, Tarek's father, Assam Haddad, made chocolate in Damascus, Syria, for over 20 years. After immigrating to Antigonish, Nova Scotia, Tarek reopened the family's chocolatier business in 2016. Its confectionery is now shipped worldwide, and they have just recently opened a beautiful new shop at Queensmark in downtown Halifax. So, Tarek, thank you so much for being on Downtown Lowdown. Really appreciate your time. So, first of all, tell us about your family and how they came to Nova Scotia. It's such a unique yet familiar uh, immigra- immigration story, um, as many refugees have gone through similar experiences. So, tell us how, how your family came here. Thank you so much for having me. What, what an honor. You guys are doing an amazing job keeping the downtown alive, and I'm very proud that uh, our story had just arrived in downtown a few weeks ago. So yes, you're helping to help. You're helping downtown stay alive. It's a big alive. honor, for sure. So... Just a brief for our story that for those who are not aware of it, you know, um, um, our company and our story were so popular in the Middle East. It was the second largest chocolate factory that my father and my mother actually built together since 1986. Uh, It was a family that had the passion of making happiness through chocolate in Syria. And there was a, a lot of, you know, of community building, community partnerships. It was a lot of um, happy moments that my family had shared, you know, building the factory with blood, sweat, and tears in Damascus from scratch because my father's background is not chocolate maker. He was an engineer. Oh, okay. And my mother as well, she did not have, you know, any, uh, any clue how to make chocolate before, <laughs> but so she was, she was getting into her uh, uh, law degree in Damascus as well. So it was really uh, a challenge for, for my uh, family to get the business running. They didn't have any business experience. None of my family members had business experience before for my father. And so they had to learn all the little bits here and there. They had to go to library. It was at, a, at the time, there was no Internet. There was no computers. There was no YouTube. Right now, you can just go and learn how to make chocolate in like an hour, honestly, become an expert. You would just, you know, register in a, in a, in a lesson. So my, uh, my family were from the humble beginnings. In Damascus, they used to say that uh, chocolate is like people. You know, we are all born raw ingredients, and then we are all stirred by the events of our lives, and then we are put into the mold of adulthood. Right, so that amazing combination of chocolate and people that really inspired our family, and the chocolate was was really good. My father created one of the best recipes for chocolate in the Middle East, from because you know it's very hard to compete in a market 
that is very saturated with mm-hmm. uh, an invention that is already not Middle Eastern. Chocolate was a European uh, product in the first place, you know. And, you know, in 2008, my father started exporting to Belgium, chocolate to Belgium. You know, they didn't need chocolate at that time, but they really believed there was something special and unique. And I remember the mission for my family since they started making chocolate was uh, to be unique and remarkable. And that's what entrepreneurship is all about. I'm sure you guys have interviewed and really met many entrepreneurs on this podcast. You've seen many entrepreneurs coming here to the city, to the province, and starting all over again. All of them want to do their touch. All of them want to leave their impact. All of them want to uh, to be unique, and that's really the heart of it. So in Damascus, our uniqueness was through the, the, the message and the recipe. My father in 1986 went to the wedding of my cousin with my grandmother. He had no idea what to expect. He was just a bored new graduate, civil engineer, had no idea what to do afterwards, went with my grandmother, and they went to the wedding, and they were really excited seeing everyone eating chocolate. And my father realized after an hour sitting into the wedding that everyone at the wedding was happy when they were eating chocolate. I love that when you said uh, creating happiness through chocolate. It's so true. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Because my father says, like, no one eats chocolate will be sad. Everyone Mm -hmm. eats chocolate will be happy. So the the way we were living in Damascus as well has contributed a lot to the the fact my father was able to build a successful business. My family were living all in one building. Sixty members of my family were in one building in Damascus. It was such a remarkable time, you know, being there and sharing happy moments together, sharing sad times together, sharing troubles. Um, it, was, it was a peaceful time in Syria at that time when uh, my father really was just growing his business. Uh, I was the third child for my parents. So at the moment I was born, uh, my family wanted me to become a physician. Actually, they were not fighting over my name. They were fighting about my profession, about <laughs> what I'm going to do, you know, in 20 five, 30 years' time after I was born. So it was, it was really interesting. 99% of the Syrian mothers, they want their kids to become physicians. <laughs> and 1% of them, they want them to be engineers. So I was, I was from the 99%. My mother was really passionate about, uh, you know, correlating between medicine and chocolate. And the way that she was really looking at it is that medicine seeks to diminish pain mm-hmm. while chocolate seeks to raise happiness. So you see the mutual point there. It's it's very noble cause. Uh-huh. Uh, it, at the same time, it was um, really something I wanted to do afterwards after my, my grandfather had a heart attack uh, in 2005. So getting into medicine, my family were growing that business. Um, everything seemed really going so well for my family. But we knew at that time that many Syrian families outside Damascus were living under poverty line. They did not have opportunity. They did not have schools. They did not have healthcare system. They did not have any jobs, and we were really barely living. You know, and they, they couldn't put food at the table at the end of the day. So we knew we were so blessed to to be there, and we were so blessed to be able to share. Because uh, if we are successful, it's your moral responsibility to lift others to success, right? It's not about sitting back and say, "Okay, I'm done." It's, you have that role and you have that responsibility. So my father and my family played a role in establishing many non-for-profit organizations based on the business success. And, um, yeah, everyone really in the family were, were so excited. So being in, 
in the in that large building, 60 members of my family with 10 floors. My grandmother was on the first floor. Uh, her house was really giant. We were on the first floor. We were my grandfather and my uncles and my cousins. They were all in that building. And every Saturday, we used to have the supper together. So imagine living with your family and really having these fun times every Saturday. If you were going to miss a supper time with your family, they were, they were going to kick you out of the house because oh. you are not allowed. <laughs> so you have to give your grandmother that note that you are going to, uh, you know, to, to miss a supper at that some time. The story really started when the war started. Uh-huh. Like the real struggle, that's when everything started to change for our family, for Syrians, for, for actually the world. Because... If you are living in a peaceful place, sometimes it's very hard to imagine what loss is, what violence is, right? What uh, even you don't even know what peace is because you didn't lose it. No one knew what peace was in Syria until we lost it. And the same thing many Canadians now feel. They they even didn't know the blessings of a life before the pandemic until the pandemic came, right? Like everyone's like, yeah, we're going out, we're having fun, we're going to work, coming back home living our lives, but no one really knew that meaning of living a normal life, living a safe life, living a peaceful life until you lose that. So in 2012, the war reached Damascus, and uh, we were in the building in downtown um, Damascus on the border between the ancient city and the modern city. Damascus is one of the most ancient cities in the world. So we were at at the house at that time. It was the middle of July. And the mortar rockets started hearing, hitting all around the building. And my family were really scared. Like, you know, we were just having the supper. So in a few hours, it was like the second world war in the neighborhood. All you can hear really is just bombings, helicopters, tanks, soldiers, and screams of kids. You know, people were just really dying in the neighborhood. So what we did at that time, we turned off all the lights. We ran to the basement, all the 60 members of my family. Uh, We stayed there for five days without water, without electricity, without uh, medicines, without any needs or any basics of life, right? Like imagine we are here in a room. um, We we were almost half the size of this room, whatever you would say the size of it, like, you know, 10 feet by 10 feet. We, We can barely breathe, you know, 60 members. How can you find a space to stand? with kids and with, with my grandmother and with people with chronic diseases, with diabetes. They need their medications. They need, they need room with asthma. They need room to just have fresh air. But there was not because no one was prepared for it. So we stayed there, and uh, it was a time when the kids started really, like, almost dying from hunger and from losing water. And, you know, it was, it was a terrible time to stay. And then the sixth night, we just decided... We are not going to stay anymore there. You know, we are going to die from hunger uh, first. We're going to die because we're so thirsty. We don't, we don't have anything. And no one can go upstairs to grab any water or any food. Because if you go upstairs, you would die. A sniper will shoot you. So in the sixth day, we just left the building. We, uh, there was a ceasefire between 6 a.m. and 7 a.m. That was July 2012. And we left the building. And after that, all my family members uh, were scattered around the world. They left to many countries. Uh, they are now in 26 countries. So in 2012, we were together, and now they are in 26 countries. 
And I have no idea what miracle actually will bring us back together <laughs> in any place, but I believe there will be a time when we'll be meeting again somewhere. I really think Canada would be that place to just meet again after hopefully the, the pandemic to bring them all mm-hmm. here for a visit. Have you managed to stay connected? I mean, not physically, but at least, you know, yeah, talking absolutely. to them. We were lucky that the war in Syria started at an age after social media you know, was just a thing. Because mm-hmm. if the war started in 1980s or 90s, it would have been much more a struggle, right? Like, I mean, now no one can really imagine their lives without having a video call with their parents or with their friends or their family. You can reach any person around the world in a click of a button. I can mm-hmm. call anyone of my family right now in less than a second, you know? So right. that, that certainly helped. We're staying connected as much as we can, but it's not the same as having supper together every Saturday. You know, the kids are all grown up now, and it's different when you look at them in the pictures and really have opportunity to hug them, you know, have the opportunity to um, go out with them in Damascus and tell them the stories about the city. It's Every building you look at in Damascus is like 5,000 5, years old. It's like 4,000 years old, you know, the mosques, the churches, you know, everything there is just so ancient. So there's a lot of pieces of history and tradition that we held quite dear to our hearts before we left the country. The, the one important thing at that time was we did not want to leave Syria because everyone was born to stay in his homeland, right? To stay mm-hmm. connected to where you are born, to stay connected to your friends, to your network. And when um, we were just forced to leave, we, we had to. Um, it was not an option for us to stay anymore. And when people ask, you know, around the world, like, why did these refugees leave Syria? Why did these immigrants leave Syria? And no one knows that becoming an immigrant or a refugee is not like a life goal. No, it's a matter of survival. Exactly. It's something that you are forced to. It's not a dream. No one asks you, oh, what do you want to do in the future when you're born? Like, no one says, I want to become an immigrant. Mm-hmm. It's not a thing. It's, it's something that you realize you have to do just to have a better life, and in our case, was really to stay alive, right? Some people just traveled because they love to travel. Some people just traveled to stay alive. So mm-hmm. we were on the second case. In 2013 uh, was uh, the decision to leave Syria. Before that, by a few months, uh, my father was working at the factory in Damascus. I was in the hospital doing a training session, and I called my dad. I said, you should leave right now. He had 400 staff members. Like, how are they all going to leave? You know, the, it started to be, the bombing started around the, the factory. My father managed to get everyone out. He was the last to leave the factory. And 10 minutes after my father left the factory, it was bombed by an airstrike. And the explosion was one of the most powerful in the entire civil war in Syria. It, was, um, it destroyed the entire building. And my father didn't know what happened. He was just going around. He was saying, everything has gone. Everything has gone. So, you know, speechless. When you build something with blood, sweat, and tears, it just becomes harder for you to know um, that, you know, you lost it. It would take you longer to realize that you really lost something. It's like losing a kid, losing some Uh family members. It's like losing some loved ones. So, yeah, within within a few months, we made the decision to leave Syria after... Uh, one rocket hit near me and my brother. We were walking in downtown, 
Damascus at that time, and we were talking about what are we going to do when the war is over. And we just were not realizing that the war is still there and the war can kill us in a split of the moment. So we were walking downtown on a sidewalk and then a mortar rocket hit like two meters away from us. And my brother lost his consciousness. I, I was injured in my leg and then I carried him. We ran into the house and then was a time of hard decision. It was like, we cannot stay here anymore. We have to flee. So I told my family, not time to do medicine, not time to do business. This is time to survive. We packed almost, you know, a few things that can fit in the car because two cars of ours were destroyed in the war. We only had one little tiny five-seat, and we were eight members in the five-seat car. So imagine how did we flee. Like, it was all really a journey of, uh, I would say, for the love of life. You know, that's the reason why we packed everything and left. If we didn't leave, certainly we'd have lost many family members. It was at a certain point in the war as well, when you reach the dinner table at the end of the day, and you don't know the next day if you'll be missing one other family members. Uh-huh. I lost many cousins. I lost many. My brother-in-law was kidnapped and then killed in prison. Uh, my, my, you know, my brother and I were just in that <laughs> attack, and all many of my family members went just missing. They were arrested, so it was a catastrophe. And then we just decided, let's just leave. Let's flee. Um, and on the border, on the way to the border to Lebanon, we're fleeing. Um, we just realized that we don't have any money, right? Like we did not have anything on us because they will not let you leave the border if you bring anything with you. So we realized that we have to start from scratch. Wherever we are going, we'll be like newborn babies, right? You, you uh-huh. totally lost everything. So, um, but we realized at that time that there's another way to look at it. We survived the war. We did not lose our talents and our skills. So we arrived in Lebanon. We were trying to restart again. The there was no opportunity. I was volunteering with a lot of organizations there to build primary, secondary healthcare centers, treat people with thalassemia, with cancers, um, get funding from Norway and from uh, Sweden, I remember, and working with the UN and WHO at that time. My father was trying to get back to work. He could not. And just we realized as a family that we were so blessed to be able to leave. When you go into refugee camps, for example, to to visit other refugees, to help them, to offer to volunteer, it's just horrible. You know, the the stories that you hear there, people people are just uh, living because of the lack of death. That's what they tell you, is that they wish really they died in the war rather than being in a refugee camp. So we're trying to, to help as much as we can, but then I realized my family were losing their life in Lebanon, so we applied to come to Canada after many countries closed their borders in front of our family. No, no one opened their doors. It was at a point where you go to, like, you go to Australia, for example, or you go to France, or you go to um, any other country, tell you that, no, they cannot really accept any more applications. So it all happened because of a very interesting incident. I'm here today with you in, in Halifax, Nova Scotia, because of at 10 p.m., late meeting. I had actually, that was in late 2014. Uh-huh. 
I had a late meeting with, with a friend. It was supposed to be at 6 p.m. He was like, no, let's make it 9 p.m. I'm like, I can't stay in the office for that long. I have to go see my family. And he was like, no, I'm, I'm really coming at 9 p.m. So I had a long night meeting with my friend. We were talking about the campaign we were going to help other refugees with. I finished the meeting, and then I went down um, on the street in Hamra in Beirut, Lebanon. And there was a cab there waiting, and I was like, can you drive me 30 minutes away to see my family? He was like, yeah, absolutely. He was a, a kind Lebanese man. I had no idea that that kind Lebanese man he was going to tell me that, oh, do you know that if you want to go, you can apply to go to Canada, and I will tell you some tips. Oh, wow. So that car ride yes. changed your life. That's exactly. Yes. Oh, my God. And changed your family's <laughs> Absolutely. life, too. Absolutely. Everyone wow. was just losing, sitting there, losing their hopes. And, and really, honestly, without that cab driver, I would not be here. So <laughs> he just told me all about Canada. He had family in Montreal. And then he told me about the application. And then he told me about the scholarship that I should apply for. I did not get the scholarship. But the embassy, the ambassador really liked my application. And then she invited my family and the entire embassy invited my family to come with me. So that's how the life changed, honestly. It's, it's wow. just a little act of kindness, right? Yeah. Because if that cab driver maybe forever, he would not know the impact he, would, he had made in my life, the impact he had made in our family life, and maybe I would never meet him again, mm-hmm. right? He may have saved your lives. Exactly, exactly. And these are all the little ki- acts of kindness. So I really encourage everyone listening to get out there, and look for ways to make your day perfect by helping someone else because you never know the impact you would make in their lives. And maybe you, you would never know, certainly. So, yeah, I was, I was at that time just excited to get the opportunity to come here um, because uh, it was the, it's a matter of life and death. Mm-hmm. Certainly. And it's such a it's just an incredible story because you know here in Canada we don't we probably have no idea like any we can't even imagine what you went through. I mean you're telling us this story, but we have so many freedoms and and privileges here in this country that it's it's hard for us to imagine you know what your family went through. And it's amazing that you, know, you actually got here safe and sound, which is amazing. And thank you to that cab driver in Lebanon. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, yeah, of course. I'd like to get into talking about your business now. Yes, yeah, You know, you're brand new to downtown Halifax, which is awesome. You know, welcome to downtown, to the downtown community. Uh, but Peace by Chocolate is such a great Canadian success story. Uh, it has come to re- represent resilience, um, entrepreneurial uh, spirit, and inclusion. Uh, your life story and, and now your your business are both intertwined now. Like, it's like one and the same. Uh, the Prime Minister talked about you and your business um, at the uh, Leaders Summit on Refugees at the United Nations. Uh, you've written a book about your, your life story. Uh, you're in demand for speaking engagements. Uh, did you ever envision this, that you know, you'd find this kind of success when you arrived in Canada in 2016? Well, the only thing I realized when I landed in Canada is that it's too cold. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing I was thinking about when I landed in Toronto. It was December 18th when I landed there. Was I think I saw a picture of your family when you in the airport, and I thought, That's they, right. they need it, more clothes it's so, on. It's so <laughs> cold, cold at that time. So I arrived in, in Toronto, and then I had no idea, honestly, how cold my country can be. And so to be honest, just before I talk to you about the business, uh, Canadians are really smart in the way they promote the country to others, right? Because before we arrive here, 
I was Googling about Canada, and the only thing you see online is between May and October. <laughs> yes, that's very intentional. They don't show you. They don't show you anything between November and April. They they only show you like lovely hikings, you know, beaches, going out, you know, eating, sitting and in, into on the patios and. Well, you might see everything. the odd photo of somebody skiing. Yeah, <laughs> you, you never actually, you never see that because no. they, they just want to show you this lovely cottages sitting there <laughs> watching the sun go down, you know. But they don't show you the meter of snow that needs to be shoveled in Antigonish. <laughs> we just had our last storm. Yes, in, we have all March. four seasons so here, <laughs> definitely. So it's, it's really a, a beautiful country. And then you, to start with, it's all about the freedoms, right? That's what we're talking about, mm-hmm. without freedom. We don't have a life. We don't have a value as human beings. So since our family arrived here, uh, we had no idea where this can go. As, as many immigrants uh, who come here with nothing, the only passion they have is about raising a family in a safe place and contributing and giving back. Every single immigrant I've met, the only passion that they had since they arrived here is making an impact and thanking this country for opening the doors for them in their own way. Many people start businesses. Many people continue their studies. Many people go to universities and get their master's and, and PhDs. And many people just work as, as they want. Maybe would you know, just uh, uh, become very active uh, citizens. They volunteer a lot. And you, you see really the real value of this country when you go and walk even in downtown Halifax. And you see people from all across the, the, the world. I was walking on the boardwalk even last weekend. At the minimum, at the minimum, I heard 25 languages oh, when wow. I was walking. People were uh-huh. just, you know, all over, from all over uh-huh. the world with different, back, diverse backgrounds just talking uh, on the boardwalk. So that really made me so happy and so honored to be in this country. So when I arrived here, I knew the value of multiculturalism in Canada. I knew that this country respects humans regardless of their faith, background, ethnicity. The only question I was asked when I uh, arrived in Canada is, do I need double-double from Tim Hortons? <laughs> no one asked me about anything else. No one asked me about you know, my, my background or my religion. And no one asked me about anything. They just really were waving with flags and flowers and signs saying, Welcome to Canada, Tarek, which was really heartwarming. And then they handed you a double-double? They did hand me a double-double, <laughs> okay. actually, yes. It was at the airport. So it was, uh, it was a, a mission for us since we came here to uh, make that impact mm-hmm. um, as a newcomer family, as uh, someone who has lost everything in the war. We knew we don't have, we don't have a way back to, to Syria. We don't have a way back to the Middle East. So we have to make the best out of it, uh-huh. right? We have that one shot, and we have to make the best out of it. Uh-huh. So our family at some point in 2016 were working maybe 20 hours a day. We're just rotating, you know. Uh, bef- after we started making chocolate at the uh, at the home kitchen, we were just realizing that it's so popular, you know. We were sitting at the farmer's markets, winter's market, and everyone was really excited about it. They knew as a newcomer family, we have brought something unique and different, and they wanted to try. You know, talking about the uniqueness, just, you know, the blending of the fillings and the flavors of what we learned in Syria and what Canadians like. Sometimes, I guess, the one of the um, mistakes, I would say, um, that uh, 
everyone who come here, they they usually try to try the same products or the same uh, techniques that they use back home in this country. Sometimes it works, sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't. I think one of the basic va- uh, uh, you know techniques that we use since we arrived here is to ask Canadians what do they like. And that's our market right now, right? That's our audience. So uh, that was really one of the, the key points. And it just, you know, the, the business started as an idea to give back to the country. We had no idea how long that, that might take. Uh, pure question, we were just talking to a CBC reporter. Uh, she became one of the really uh, closest friends to us. Her name is Carolyn Ray with CBC. Uh-huh. And see, Carolyn was asking my dad at the airport, what do you want to do in Canada? And he was telling her he, through me, I was a translator, and he was like, maybe in 15 years we'll have a chocolate factory. That was in 2016. And we had a chocolate factory the next year. So, <laughs> you know, that's really, that's really the country we're talking mm-hmm. about, just giving the equal opportunities, whether you, you are a newcomer, whether you are born here, you have exactly the same opportunities. We were given the permanent residence since we landed at the airports. And what does that mean? For, for those who are not Canadians, that means that you have the same access to health care, to the rights for employment, to apply for a government grant, uh-huh. to, to do anything, to establish a business, register it, to travel across the country, to even travel across the world and tell everyone that you are a permanent resident of Canada. The only thing you cannot do is you cannot vote. And... You know, after three years, you can apply for your Canadian citizenship uh, after being in Canada for full three years. So that idea of having the same rights as everyone was born here is just so substantial. No one realizes that this is the life-changing moment, you know, for our family. Because on the way from Beirut to Toronto on that plane, we were just thinking that this is, you know, the, the only way we would have stay, stay alive. We were counting down to death, honestly, even in Lebanon. So it was, it was that change that has happened in our life that really led us to where we are, and we are so blessed. Um, we had no idea where things can go. Me, personally, I had no idea where uh, the, the business can go to, you know, where um, our feet even would touch in the country. The only thing we knew from Canada at that time was the MTV, which is Montreal, Toronto, and Vancouver. Oh. <laughs> so we didn't know about Nova Scotia honestly, until I arrived in, in uh, Toronto. And they were mm-hmm. telling me that my flight the next day is to Nova Scotia. So I, I told them I want to stay in Canada. And they told me, Nova Scotia is in the Canada, just on the Atlantic <laughs> Ocean. Right. So, and I, I, was, I was just obsessed with this province since then, honestly. I'm just so happy. I started Googling about it. My mother was like, send me some pictures of Nova Scotia. That was January 6th before her flight. I'm like, I'm not going to send you pictures of Nova Scotia on January 6th for sure. So <laughs> I'll wait until June. I, I, Googled, yeah. I Googled Nova Scotia in the summer. In the summer, yeah. And then I sent her the pictures, and she was really stunned with it. So, Very wise. Yeah, yeah. So after my family were realized that we have touched a safe place, uh, we registered the business. We um, called it at that time. They had had chocolate for peace that had chocolate refugees for peace. It was a long name mm. at the beginning. Uh-huh. And then I met a friend of mine, his name is named Stephen, who just heard me talk about that story on CBC radio. And he was like, yep, yeah. he studied at Santa Fe. He came to 
to Antigonish to see me, and then we had that meeting. It was like, yeah, we had to rename the business. It's called Peace by Chocolate. It was, uh, it was, at that time, I was connecting peace as the noble value that everyone should fight for, and chocolate is our product of happiness. Chocolate is always a product of happiness. So mm-hmm. between peace and chocolate, we merged them together, and we were so excited about the restart of the business. Uh, it was uh, even at a time when the wildfires happened in Fort McMurray, right? It was Canadians were fleeing their homes in Alberta. They were losing everything to the wildfires. That reminded me of just losing everything to the war. Yeah. And we wanted to give back. We wanted to tell Canadians that we are there for them as they were there for us. And we launched that campaign. We donated our profits for the full month of May in 2016 to uh, relief efforts uh-huh. to many organizations, helping Canadians. Many newcomers joined our campaign. And we were donating all of those uh, all of our profit to those organizations. And I remember um, it just felt so different after that. It just felt that we don't have a business. We have a cause, right? We mm-hmm. have a message. And the message is to try to let Canadians know about the value of peace. Because without peace, no one can go to work. No one can build businesses. You cannot raise kids. We cannot do this interview, this podcast, without peace, right? No mm-hmm. one just sitting here and knowing that we're going to get out of here. Uh, hopefully, if you guys are not going to kidnap me. So. <laughs> we'll hold you for ransom for more chocolate. <laughs> no, I'm joking, of course. Um, but was that the catalyst for Peace on Earth Society, like starting that? Uh, it was. Okay. It was. It was at a time when we realized whatever we do, you know, we know the business is going to be successful. We know that we will be a national company uh, mm-hmm. soon. Um, after we registered the business, and then we knew that we had to do uh, and focus on the social impact. We have to do something for the community. We have to do campaigns where we bring people together, not only for the sake of selling chocolate, but for the sake of humanity and for the sake of giving back and for the sake of Canada, the country that has given us a lot. So then we restarted the Peace on Earth Society in a few months after that. Um, it was the idea behind it, make chocolate, product of happiness, selling it, and then donating the proceeds to different causes. It's, so far it's really interesting. Five. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt, but it's really interesting that it's not just we're going to give a donation here and there, but when I read it on, on your website, it was a percentage of everything right. that you make. Which is amazing. Uh, yeah, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like what projects that you find? Absolutely. So the Peace on Earth Society is uh, the social wing, I call it, of the business. Uh, it's our platform for making partnerships. Um, at the end of the year, each year, we sit down and we say we are donating a um, percentage of our business to many organizations. But at the same time, we have already set percentages for each organization per product. For example, the partnership we established with the Canadian Mental Health Association, it was a percentage of a product called the Peace of Mind Bar. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we just wanted to spread messages on the chocolate bar wrap, tell Canadians that it's not about the one of five in us that has mental health, it's the five of five in us that has mental health. All of us has mental health, all of us need support, all of us has the right for access to 
uh, mental health across the, the, the country. And we see the struggle still, right? We see the gap. So it was just uh, kind of an advocacy. It was kind of um, supporting this amazing organization doing phenomenal work. And um, other organizations that we support are um, Refugee Hub. They are in Ottawa. They do many partnerships across the country with refugees and settling newcomers. Um, so we call the, the chocolate bar Welcome to Canada. And proceeds of that bar go to many causes to help immigrants resettle in the country. Um, you know, as a newcomer family, we can relate to so many of the experiences that many families live here. We know the value of services like teaching people the language. We arrived here. I was lucky to know some English when I arrived at the airport. My family did not. My father did not speak English. My mother did not. And we know the value of these basic services, right, to let people communicate. Without a language, you cannot redo anything. Without people guiding you throughout your first year, you'd be lost as a newcomer, right? And honestly, I was so lucky because, um, as I mentioned, we use the Internet so much to connect with uh, the country, but also to connect with new people to, to meet and to build partnerships and network. I knew in Damascus when I was there something very valuable still lives with me. Uh, my professor told me at that time, if it's not working, go networking. Oh, nice. So I kept, you know, networking with these organizations, and I knew we had so much in common, so much synergy. Mm-hmm. So Refugee Hub is a second organization. We work a lot with indigenous communities across Canada throughout a product uh, called the, the Nitabar. Nitab means body in Mi'kmaq. And we said, somebody asked me, you know, we are a newcomer to Canada. Why do you even realize, you know, the, the, the issues that matter to Canadians at this point? I'm like, of course, of course. You know, I told them at that time, there's nothing nobler than spreading the language of the mother tongue of the land that we are on, the land we call home, which is Mi'kma'ki. So we built many organiz- many partnerships with these organizations afterwards, and uh, uh, the program continues. We have that power. We redonate uh, up to 20% of the proceeds to, to these uh, amazing programs uh, supporting cultural events. Uh, it happens in Antigone. Hopefully we are expanding the partnerships for many indigenous communities across the country. We have other partnerships that uh, we started uh, after, um, you know, we launched our Pride Bars, um, and it's really a, a great, happy project with donations of the bars up to, uh, you know, 25% of the proceeds go to refu- to uh, uh, Phoenix Youth Programs in, in Halifax, and as well, we are expanding this partnership nationally, and many, organ- many organizations we also support are the Canadian Red Cross throughout our Nova Scotia collection. We launched that after... Um, last year, and we realized we had a responsibility to support the province, Nova Scotia Strong Campaign, after the mass shooting. Mm -hmm. We launched the Nova Scotia Bars, and proceeds go to the Stronger Together Nova Scotia Fund that was closed a few months ago. Now the proceeds go to many other funds, and we are are in discussions with many other organizations at this point. Hopefully we'll reach up to 10 partnerships by the end of 2021. The, The other part of the Peace on Earth Society is a, a very interesting commitment we made. In 2019, I was in Toronto, and I was at an event by Tent Partnership for Refugees based in New York. 
And I was joined by Starbucks, DD Bank, um, by many other organizations, Paramount Fine Foods. And we were making pledges to hire refugees. At that time, I realized that, you know, we have that responsibility to offer a commitment to hire 50 refugees by the end of 2022, support 10 businesses started by refugees, and offer mentorship, training, distribution, and all the marketing resources for four businesses started by refugees. So we are on track. Actually, we were on track before the pandemic to hit that goal by the end of 2021. It was just uh, delayed, certainly, because our company had, you know, we had to shut down for Mm -hmm. uh, uh, some time last year. So, and then we had to rebuild, and then we have, we are now in the recovery phase, hopefully, to reach full recovery by Canada Day this year to restart again the commitment and to um, redo our our plans for, you know, we just opened a new branch in Halifax. Hopefully, there will be, um, there will be more coming, but also to recontinue our national distribution and exporting across uh, the world. So, yeah, the Peace on Earth Society is something started as a small campaign with the uh, after the wildfires in Fort McMurray. That's how the idea started. And then it's just continuing. And to be honest with you, sometime I think about it, when you talk to many business leaders in the country right now, especially big corporations, no one talks to you about community. Right? Everyone talks to you about profit. Mm-hmm. I have the golden three Ps. It's the, the people, purpose, and planet. Right? So people, purpose, planet. Whatever we do in the business, this is our, uh, our guideline. This is the core of the values that, that we do. Whatever we have to benefit our, our people, we have to meet our purpose, and we have to do something that does not harm the planet. That includes dealing with Cocoa Horizon. It's an ethical organization to get our our cocoa and our raw ingredients to get all the materials. You cannot make chocolate the product of happiness if you know that there is child labor involved, right? You, you cannot do that, especially when we have the brand of peace. So we have to be really careful as a business to, to where we go and who are our suppliers. Everyone should have the same values that we do, and we're so lucky that our staff, they are all on the same board. If you ask, if you bring any piece by chocolate staff to sit for this interview, they will be telling you the exact same thing that I'm saying. They, they will even speak more about it because they are already into it and they know the cause and they know the mission that it's big. Yeah, so the Peace on Earth Society hopefully is uh, going to expand by the end of the year and we'll have official board members joining us from across the country early next year as well. That's amazing. I, I, I love that, you know, you're, you're practicing what you're preaching, and it's, it's right down to the core of, you know, your, the ingredients that you use, that it's, you, you realize that you can't, you know, spread happiness on the backs of people who are suffering, if they are suffering, you know, cr- trying to create your product. So as you mentioned, um, your new store uh, in, at Queen's Mark, uh, it's beautiful. Uh, a couple of us Thank have, uh, <laughs> already visited and, uh, consumed a lot of the chocolate there. <laughs> that's why we sold out. <laughs> yeah. I think that's probably why. Um, but how's it going so far with, uh, the new store downtown? Like why, why now even? Like, you know, most people, most businesses would have waited until there was some more stability, uh, post pandemic, but you decided to open one up. Uh, so how's it going? Well, well, uh, you know, business is all about leadership, yeah, right? You cannot back down for any plan that you have, especially when 
the origin and the base of our plan to come to Halifax in the first place was to spread cheerfulness and peace and love. So there was no better time for us to open a store than now, right? Because that's when we really need some cheerfulness. It was every time you open the news, case count of COVID-19. Uh-huh. There's nothing positive. <laughs> so really, uh, we just wanted to uh, let people celebrate. We give them a reason to celebrate, and nothing better than chocolate. And the plan to come to Halifax was right around my citizenship ceremony last year. So it started in January 2020, actually. That was just before anyone knew what 2020 would be like. Mm-hmm. So I, I got my citizenship, uh, Canadian citizenship, and on the same day I had a meeting uh, with, uh, with people here on the waterfront. We were just choosing where we to go. Just going Spring Garden, we're going downtown, lower water. And I'm always downtown, you know. I am part of Invest Nova Scotia. Uh, it's it's a, a great board that, uh, you know, we invest in many um, community um, building organi- organizations and uh, many projects that help uh, many sectors in the province uh, to really invest in their uh, staff and their team and their buildings in, in exporting and in making impact. So I'm always here, and I just love downtown Halifax. It's, it's part of me that just connects me to downtown Damascus and many areas, right? It's just a connection between the old and the new. Uh-huh. And the stories of learning about the Halifax explosion uh, and the impact it had on the city, devastating impact at that time, and the story of resilience and resurfacing that came after that explosion that kept inspiring me for a long time. So... That certainly has, has contributed a lot to the, the mission and the decision to come downtown. But also we were so lucky that, you know, the Queensmark uh, uh, guys reached out to us. And they were like, here's, here's the location. You can, if you want, you can accept the offer and, uh, you know, you can open a store there. And it's a beautiful spot. It's, it's one of, gorgeous. It's, it's one it's of beautiful. the, you know, the spots that I would never even imagine a year ago that we would have it. So um, it, was, it was really interesting for us to start rebuilding uh, the, the, the brand in the province later uh, in the year in, after we got the citizenship. But um, we really wanted to have a place where we sell all of our products at the same location. We have around 60 products. We added another 60. And the Queen's wow. Mark right now is the only location in the entire country that has all of our product selections, even in new partnerships with many suppliers across the city that we wanted to support during this hard time. So to be honest with you, there were many reasons for us to come to the city. Uh, first is my family love it. Um, we, we all really enjoy when we come from Antigonish. It's a lovely two-hour drive from, from the town for sure. And it's the capital of the province that opened the doors for us. You know, we have a great connection to Nova Scotia now. We call it our home after we lost our home in Syria. So we have three homes that we are connected to, our home in Syria, our home in Canada, and our home in Nova Scotia. These are three places that make us who we are. So we, we, we're just really lucky that Halifax opened the doors for us uh, to, to come here. And uh, we started talking about the store with many 
designers, you know, with many people. But then we realized, you know, we had a great discussion with uh, with Breakhouse. Mm-hmm. They're just amazing for me to work with. Yeah, they're great. So, uh, so fun. Yeah, they're a great member of ours as well. We had such a great time designing the store. Yeah. It was something we, just starting from scratch, we don't have any other stores. So this, is, this would be the flagship store. We started designing something we speak highly to the culture, speak highly to the story, tell our story, but also certainly speak to the Queensmark is the most modern place east of Montreal, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really outstanding when you think about it so in the place that we are in, uh, the traffic that we'd be exposed to in, in, in the summer, hopefully after the boardwalk open and connects the, the Queensmark with the rest of the, of the uh, boardwalk. And at the end of the day, as I mentioned, uh, we are in great hands and great neighborhood. You know, all of our neighbors are really great. Uh, since we opened in the sort of tents of other businesses in the city, came there and they, they really shook my hand virtually from, from afar. And they, they were saying, welcome to downtown Halifax. And that's when I knew that we have arrived. Downtown Halifax now is another home for our business. The factory still, in, still remain in Antigonish. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the chocolates that you see uh, in the store made in the factory in Antigonish. The store itself is um, its a really a masterpiece for our brand. It's going to contribute a lot to the way we do and speak to our customers moving forward because it certainly leveled our, our brand to the whole new audience and to tell the story based on the culture. When you look in the arch in the store and you see the color uh, that represents where we came from, and when you look around, you know, for the peace wall, when you speak about the languages, you know, the different peace bar, the languages, 14 languages so far, between Mi'kmaq, English, French, Icelandic, Japanese, Chinese, and Spanish, and many, many more. Um, and also the portrait that has a lot of story in it. You know, the portrait took over 400 hours to finish in the store. And there was a Syrian Canadian artist who came in 2017 to Toronto. His name is Hosam Alum. He started painting the, the portrait, and he spent 250 hours on just the hands of my dad. So the portrait is my dad. Mm-hmm. If you have been there, you see I that. Been there. He, my dad it, yeah. is standing there, and there's a lot of Arabic uh, calligraphy behind him. He's wearing his lovely you know, uniform that he wears in the factory in Antigonish, and he's holding a chocolate bar that says, Peace in Arabic. So the design in the bar, we don't have the product yet. We were going to launch it soon, hopefully by Canada Day. But the idea behind it is just uh, telling the details and the story in the hands. My dad's hands has been working in chocolate for over, uh, you know, three decades. And, and it's really inspiring for, for me as a person. I'm the CEO of the company right now. My dad is the senior uh, production manager. My mother is the... Uh, uh, co-manager of the store in Antigonish with my sister, and everyone in the family is involved in the chocolate business in some way, whether we are chocolate makers or chocolate tasters. So <laughs> <laughs> all the kids, uh, that just Paul was talking to me about That's that. That's right, our CEO was there. Yeah. They, were, uh, uh, they, they are involved in the business whenever we launch a new product. 
They are the decision makers. You know, we give yes. them chocolate and we ask them for their opinion. Yeah, Paul said that your nieces were very professional in the store. That's right. <laughs> yes, so they all know what to do. And they are all really excited. You know, they are even the envy of their class in school because they are all surrounded by chocolate. <laughs> maybe the, the only thing in their life that they would never run out of, <laughs> for sure. So, um, yeah, the, the store in, on the Queen's Mark certainly brought a lot of joy and hope for us as a family and for the company and for the staff. And um, as I mentioned, we are so lucky to be in that location on the waterfront, speak to the ocean. You know, Nova Scotia is the ocean, uh, Canada's ocean playground. Mm-hmm. So being just really a meter or two away from the ocean is just so incredible when you think about it. And the entire complex of the Queen's Mark, not sure if you have done a tour there. It's just stunning. You know, the art pieces that are installed there, when it's all open, it's going to attract thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of tourists to the, uh, to the waterfront itself with the events that are going to be planned there as well. So all really exciting stuff right there. So. And speaking of plans, um, what are the plans for Peace by Chocolate? What's next for you? Well, uh, there are many actually big plans. We were so excited that the book was launched uh, and released in October. Uh, we have a movie coming out. Uh, oh, that's right. It's a documentary, yes. Yep. So it was filmed in, uh, in 2020 in uh, January. So mm-hmm. we're so lucky. We finished the filming mm-hmm. just before everything shut down. So it's, uh, it was supposed to be released in October last year. Uh, the movie certainly is going to take the story to the whole different international audience as well. But it will be... Um, we're hopeful that it will be on Netflix, on CBC, on CTV, will be many platforms. Um, the movie is eight minutes long. It's uh, not a documentary. Oh, sorry. I apologize for that. Yeah, it's a, it's a biopic type of uh, story, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. Exactly. So it tells, it tells the story of us coming to Canada mm-hmm. and the characters are really based on, on us. And there is Tarek in the movie, who is the, the, the main character. Uh, Issa, my dad, um, Shanaz, there are many Canadian actors and Middle Eastern actors. And we really hope that this would be a great way for us to tell our story to many audiences, not only in Canada, but around the world. So um, we have great hopes for the future of the, uh, of the business after the movie is released. And we are really expecting, hopefully, a buzz after, after that. So it's going to help us with our big plans, as you are asking about the plans. We believe as a business in Nova Scotia, the main goal for any business here is to start exporting, right? There is different types of export. You can export across Canada. We are already doing that. We are selling nationally in many partnerships with within Sobeys. With the, we are sending our products online to tens of thousands of Canadian customers throughout our uh, online platforms. And we are also planning to get into many other chains across the country. But the biggest plan that we have right now is taking the message, starting with the U.S. market. Uh, We have done uh, full export planning. We have attended many trade shows. Hopefully that will be resumed again this summer. And um, we are also opening another market for our company um, overseas. You know, we are trying to also reach back uh, where we came from. We are also trying to sell our products made in Canada back to the Middle East, where we came from, which would be really heartwarming just to see a chocolate bar of piece of chocolate made in Canada gone back to Syria or gone back to Dubai or to Mm -hmm. Riyadh in Saudi Arabia or 
just going to be really heartwarming for our family. Yeah, just a see. nice full circle kind of story. It is, it? exactly, yeah. yes. So we made chocolate there, we sent to Europe, and then we come here, we make chocolates, and back to the Middle East. It's just really, really interesting. So a really big plans for, for the business. Uh, you know, the goal is to become one of the major chocolate uh, makers in the country in the next uh, few years. There's no rush. You know, we just realized... We're so excited in the beginning. We're like, yeah, let's become one of the top five chocolate companies in Canada in the next five years. And then we realized that, you know, that there is absolutely no rush. And the time that we need to make is taking the right steps at the right time, which can be really difficult for so many businesses. But as I mentioned, because we are in Nova Scotia, it, it seemed like uh, our business was just, uh, you know, there for us before we even came here. It was because Canadians were there for us. So uh, I really hope to see Peace by Chocolate does not lose the focus on the community. We do not lose the uh, connection to Nova Scotia. Wherever we go, you know, the, the head office headquarters will remain in Nova Scotia. And Tiganesh, we have the branch here, our first flagship store. In Halifax, that would be the origin, really, of the, the, the next level of the story, wherever we go across the country, and hopefully to see the brand um, exporting across the world, um, you know, being on shelves for, for people in many countries around the world very soon. And uh, we hope that, you know, I am a Canadian citizen right now. Um, I'm really proud to be uh, uh, the first Canadian in the family. I got my citizenship in January. My family just passed their citizenship tests a few weeks ago, and they're all excited for their ceremony coming soon. So we'll have everyone in the family got their citizenship. That will give us the opportunity to, um, you know, spread the message further and travel around the world, hopefully when things open up. And we've started seeing that the opportunity started to open. So um, we really hope to be um, ambassadors for this province and this country, you know, as EU citizens and speaking about Canada because we believe that around the world people don't hear about Canada enough, right? And we believe that we are responsible to really keep telling people about the stories of this country. It just seems to me some, sometimes that as I mentioned, people just know about Canada. It's cold, you know. We really don't know the, that there are warm hearts here. They, they don't know the story. So it's through the movie, throughout the book, throughout all the media articles that we do. Um, just this morning, before this interview, I was doing an interview um, with uh, with someone in Dubai, and just telling them about Canada, and they were like, "Wow, this is really inspiring." And just telling them about Nova Scotia, about Halifax. So. Yeah, we are getting more tourists from UAE to Nova Scotia soon. So it's, it's really interesting to see how the power of connecting the world can be, you know. And as a country in general, we certainly need more people. We, we need more uh, awareness about the country. Uh, we are the second largest country in the world, and we have 30, 37, 38 million people really living here, right? So I think, space, I right? think we've just found our new Nova Scotian of tourism ambassador <laughs> right here sitting with us right now. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'd be so honored. You know, I speak about the province wherever I go. I've, I've done more than 400, 500 speeches across the country. I've traveled to, I was speaking in Paris at the OECD. Um, I've traveled to Denmark, uh, spoke about the, uh, the story as well in the province and the country and uh, to the UK on the parliament hill there. 
um, there's there's really a lot of opportunity for for us, for every one of us, to tell the stories of Nova Scotia and and the country. And um, I really think that uh, you know the pandemic did not certainly uh, kill any of those plans. It just sometimes delayed them uh-huh. for us to keep going around the world and telling everyone about it. Yeah, and we can't really wait for what to come. We're sure it would be big. Well, Tarek, thank you so much for your time. Congratulations on your new store downtown, uh, your new book, the new film that's going to come out, your citizenship, your family citizenship. Really appreciate your time coming uh, and talking to us about your story. Thank you so much for having me. What, what a pleasure. It's, it's really an honor, and thank you for welcoming us to the neighborhood. We are really excited to have new neighbors. And come down, guys, have your hot chocolate. We will definitely do that. (laughs) Thanks again, Tarek. Thank you so much. We were chatting with Tarek Haddad, founder and CEO of Peace by Chocolate. He told us about his journey as a Syrian refugee and as a successful entrepreneur. Their brand new shop is located at Queensmark on the Halifax waterfront in downtown Halifax. For more information on Peace by Chocolate or to shop online, visit peacebychocolate.ca. And you can follow at Peace by Chocolate on Instagram and Facebook and Peace by Choco on Twitter. As always, Downtown Halifax Business Commission strives to provide the latest COVID-19-related information as the province revises restrictions. DHBC continues to follow the directives of the Nova Scotia Health Authority. Check DHBC's main COVID-19 resource page for businesses and for the public at downtownhalifax.ca slash COVID-19. The provincial state of emergency has been renewed and remains in effect until 12 noon, April 4th, 2021. Premier Ian Rankin and Dr. Robert Strang, Nova Scotia's Chief Medical Officer of Health, announced on March 19th that the New Brunswick border is opening and remaining restrictions in parts of Halifax Regional Municipality and surrounding communities will be lifted. Both changes came into effect March 20th. Just like residents of Prince Edward Island, residents of New Brunswick will no longer have to self-isolate upon arrival in Nova Scotia, and they won't have to complete the Nova Scotia Safe Check-In Form. Residents of Newfoundland and Labrador must still follow these requirements. The following are a few changes to the province-wide restrictions. Restaurants and licensed establishments can stop service by 11 p.m. and close by midnight. Fitness facilities continue to operate at 75% capacity, but can return to two meters between people for all activities. The general gathering limit remains at 10 indoors and outdoors. Household gatherings will be increased from maximum 10 to households plus up to 10 others. Immediate family members who live in the same household can be together outdoors, even if that is more than 10 people. With restrictions lifted, the following is also allowed province-wide. Events hosted by a recognized business or organization can have 150 people outdoors or 50% capacity to a maximum of 100 people indoors. Events including social events, special events, sports events, arts and culture events, festivals, faith gatherings, weddings with receptions, and funerals with receptions and visitation, uh, meetings and training hosted by recognized businesses and organizations can have 150 people outdoors or 50% capacity to a maximum of 100 indoors, and organized clubs can break into cohorts of 15 following the day camp guidelines. Physical distancing is required for meetings and training except when emergency responders need to be closer than two meters for training. Licensed establishments, unlicensed establishments, such as community centers and charities, 
and organized clubs can host activities such as darts, cards, pool, bowling, bingo, or karaoke following guidelines for these activities. Visitors are allowed in adult residential centers and regional rehabilitation centers licensed by the Department of Community Services, and residents can resume full community access. Retail businesses and malls operate at 75% capacity and follow other public health measures. Sports practices, training, and games and arts and culture rehearsals and performances can have 60 people without physical distancing. Sports games, competitions, and tournaments are allowed within the team's regular competitive schedule. Spectators are allowed if the business or organization hosting the event has a gathering plan that follows event guidelines and the process outlined within those guidelines. Adult day programs for seniors remain closed province-wide until seniors living outside long-term care facilities have an opportunity to receive COVID-19 vaccine. People who do not follow the gathering limit can be fined. The fine is $1,000 for each person at an illegal gathering. These are just some of the restrictions that may affect businesses, workers, and visitors in downtown Halifax. For more information and a full list of restrictions, visit the Nova Scotia Health Authority website at novascotia.ca slash coronavirus. To view the DHBC COVID-19 resource page, visit downtownhalifax.ca slash COVID-19. And now for BizBuzz. Now it's time for BizBuzz. Lauren Landry, our Marketing and Communications Coordinator, is here with me along with Ivy. Hi, Lauren and Ivy. Hi. Hello. This week on BizBuzz, we will tell you all about the excellent window decorating for Easter and Easter gift ideas. And we'll talk about Open City, Soli Productions, the fabric of our DNA. And we are going to finish with a quick reminder about picking up after your dog. But first, Lauren has some business updates and milestones to share with us. What do you have for us this week, Lauren? Thanks, Alana. The Loose Cannon at 1566 Argyle Street will be expanding into the new space next door on the corner of Argyle and Blower Streets. We're looking forward to seeing how the new renovations look. There's a new public performance space coming to town. Lighthouse Arts Center, which will be located at 1800 Argyle Street, is a performance platform for local, regional, and international artists that is slated to open this year. Lighthouse will also be home to the Creative Entrepreneur Center, a co-working and hub-style workspace for nonprofit cultural organizations and for-profit startups. Muir Hotel, opening up this summer in Queensmark, was featured in the latest issue of Air Canada's magazine, En Route. Although most of us won't be boarding a flight anytime soon, you can still read the article on their website at enroute.aircanada.com. Thanks, Lauren. So let's talk about Easter. Easter is taking place this weekend, April 2nd to 5th. And is it just me or is 2021 just beating by? And in an effort to create a safe and fun way to discover downtown Halifax and all of its many excellent local businesses, DHBC and Argyle Fine Art are asking business owners, downtown residents, and anyone that wants to participate to join in filling the windows of downtown Halifax with bright colored Easter eggs. Decorate one or many paper eggs and hang them in your windows from April 2nd to 5th, and DHBC and Argyle Fine Art will be inviting the public to go on a virtual egg hunt to find them by photographing the eggs and sharing their photos on social media using the hashtag EggHuntDTHFX for the chance to win an Easter-themed prize. Argyle Fine Art has a few pre-designed drawings of Easter eggs that you can either download at argylefineart.blogspot.com or you can contact Lauren at communications at downtownhalifax.ca for a printout of the eggs for either pickup or drop-off. 
So print off or pick up your egg pictures. Make it a fun staff project to color the eggs together and hang them in your windows. We are hoping that this will bring some people into the downtown area on Easter weekend and will generate some business in the local shops. And we'll have more information about this downtown egg hunt on our social media, so make sure you are following at Downtown Halifax to keep up to date. Now let's talk about Easter gift ideas. Russo Chocolatier has beautiful Easter chocolate. Seriously, their chocolate is, looks like works of art that would make the perfect Easter gift for chocolate lovers of all ages. You can visit Russo's store on South Street, or you can visit them online at russochocolatier.ca. And Peace by Chocolate, as we have heard, is now open on Lower Water Street. They also have beautiful and yummy Easter-themed chocolates, and you can either visit their stunning new store in Queen's Mark, or you can order online at peacebychocolate.ca. And of course, there's Freak Lunchbox. Freak Lunchbox is a great place to pick up an assortment of Easter candy, from chocolates to gummies to specialty candy from all over the world. You can visit them at 1729 Barrington Street. And if you're looking for something other than chocolate bunnies and eggs, I recommend checking out Flynn's Dairy Bar. Flynn's has an assortment of unique and different candy, like a variety of Oreo cookies, like they have Lady Gaga Oreos, and different types of chocolate bars, popcorn, and cereals. Flynn's Dairy Bar is located on Hollis Street at the corner of Bishop and Hollis Streets. Flowers are another popular Easter gift, and the flower shop on Barrington Street has special spring-themed Easter bouquets that you can order for pickup or delivery. You can order your bouquets from the flower shop at theflowershophalifax.ca. And the Blossom Shop on Upper Water Street in Purdy's Wharf has Easter floral arrangements that you can order for delivery. Visit them at blossomshops.ca. And if you need a new Easter outfit, I'd recommend visiting Biscuit General Store on Argyle Street. Their new spring clothing collections are now out. You can check out some of their spring-themed outfits by visiting their store or following at Biscuit General on Instagram, or you can shop online at biscuitgeneralstore.com. Moving on, Open City is coming back for another year. You may remember that last year, Open City was revamped as Reopen City because of the pandemic and ran for four weekends from the end of June into July. This year, Open City is going back to the original format of just being one Saturday in early May, and this year that date is May 8th. If you're a business or organization in downtown Halifax that would like to take part in Open City, registration is now open. Visit opencityhalifax.ca or email opencity at developns.ca for more information. Note that the deadline to register is April 19th. And Soli Productions is presenting the fourth annual The Fabric of Our DNA as a virtual fashion and art showcase on April 24th. They're inviting downtown Halifax businesses to be presenting designers or brands in the virtual showcase or to be a location for a virtual showcase. The event organizers will be handling the show plan, providing the talent and film crew, and taking care of other details needed for the video production. For more information on the fabric of our DNA and to get involved, contact Cindy McNeil, Production Coordinator and COO of Soli Productions Management, Inc. at COO at SoliProductions.com and Soli is spelt S-O-L-I. Or call 902-402-4555. And finally, spring has sprung in downtown Halifax, and with the melting of the snow and the warming of the weather, we want to remind dog owners in the downtown Halifax area to please pick up after your dog. The city has received a big increase in complaints regarding dog waste and off-leash dogs over the past few months, and we have also received some concerned emails from members about this issue. Please pick up after your dog and dispose of the waste properly in one of the many waste receptacles around the downtown area. And if you're on the waterfront, there are doggy bag stations and garbage receptacles all along the boardwalk, making it easy and accessible to dispose of dog waste properly. Let's all work together to keep our downtown area clean and welcoming to everyone, including our four-legged friends. 
And on that note, let's talk about downtown Halifax experiences. Ivy and Lauren, what have you been up to in the last few weeks? Okay, so I've been out and about uh, in the past two weeks uh, for lunch. Uh, the first stop, uh, we had a, a, an economy shoe shop birthday staff mm-hmm. lunch, and that was really fun. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, it's been a long, it was a long time. You know, it's been a long mm-hmm. time since I've been in the shoe shop, and uh, their menu has changed since I've been there in there the last time, and it was really delicious. Um, mm-hmm. I had the Beyond Meat burger. Yeah. So you that used to be a regular at the shoe shop, weren't you, back in the day? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to name the year range <laughs> because it was a long time ago yeah. but yes that used yeah. to be my my usual haunt um, yeah. <laughs> and I think it might be again soon oh, yeah yeah I think know, it's a great place juice. to have drinks yeah have a couple great. drinks and it's get nice some bar food yeah. And, yeah yeah it's a nice place to just gather that's a great them. atmosphere it yeah. always has yeah it's great and then uh, most recently I went to uh, Black Sheep Restaurant mm-hmm. uh, with a friend for lunch they just opened mm-hmm. uh, in the brewery market and uh, yeah it was a great place yeah. to have lunch and they said they actually said business was re- really good, and they're Great. planning on opening up a, um, a rooftop patio. Okay. Really? Yeah. yeah the they summer. were already on my list, but now they're yeah. they're higher well, up. <laughs> yeah, the location they're in, I've heard they tr- they've transformed that location, but they have a big patio. The pictures look upstairs. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not open yet, but they're they're planning That's on opening. They, they didn't know quite yet the, mm-hmm. the timeline, mm-hmm. but it's going to be for the, hopefully for the summer. They said. Yeah, that's exciting. So yeah, that's really exciting. And I had black mayo there. Like oh, I had yummy. a burger, a veggie yeah. falafel burger, uh, with black mayo for the uh, oh. for the fries, and they just use squid ink. Oh. It doesn't change the flavor, but it turns it cool. the mayo yeah. black. So that was kind of cool. I've never had squid ink before. Mm-hmm. I've heard of it, of course. But, yeah. And then um, stop by a piece by chocolate. I know this is basically the ba- uh, piece mm-hmm. by chocolate mm-hmm. episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's just a great place. It's oh, yeah. It's a beautiful space mm-hmm. at Queensmark, and they have this gorgeous hallway that's like kind of like a teal blue green uh, hallway mm-hmm. uh, with tiles and it's gorgeous in there mm-hmm. uh, yeah so I think uh, Breakhouse design did their interior design uh, that yes. makes sense yeah that which is another downtown member yeah mm-hmm. and lastly Discovery Center uh, over March break uh, my son went to March break camp mm-hmm. and he had a great time um, yes. they do have summer camps they're all waitlisted unfortunately yeah. for, um, for now but um, maybe if somebody uh, has signed up for the waitlist they'll get lucky and get yeah. a kid in mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. You've done a lot of things. Yeah. What about you, Lauren? I was also pretty busy in downtown Halifax these last couple weeks. So I went to Elle's Bistro, which I've mentioned before. It's kind of my friends and I's go-to brunch spot. And I don't normally get a drink at brunch, but I did. And I got the Malibu Mimosa. It was so, I've never really heard of people putting Malibu in a mimosa, but I felt like I was transported to a, a nice tropical beach. So that was nice. And my in friend got, yeah. yeah. And my <laughs> friend got the Caesar and it came with half a grilled cheese. On Whoa. It. Yeah. <laughs> well, she wow. saw someone get it from across the, um, like dining area yeah. and said she had to get it. It was good. She liked it. Not a Caesar person myself, but. Oh, I love Caesars. Grilled cheese. Well, then you should try it. She said it was great. I love grilled cheese. There you go. Okay. Super one. Done. Done. There it is. <laughs> You're welcome, Alice. I just got you new business. <laughs> and also, Ivy and I attended the live-streamed concert, Downtown Halifax Live, which was hosted by Argyle Fine Art. We worked the event. It was not open to the public. It was fully live-streamed. 
and Urban Surf Kings played. They were a hit. I'm really happy I got to go and help out and see them. If you missed this event, no worries. It was fully live streamed, and you can go back and watch the whole thing on our YouTube channel, which is DHBC1, or on our event Facebook page, which is just Downtown Halifax Live. That was such a great show. That was great. I highly recommend checking Urban it out. Surf Kings, they just put on a sh- great, great show Great energy. Yeah. Really good energy. You can tell that they're yeah. having a lot of fun, which yeah. makes you have a lot of, you know what I mean? It was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, for some reason, I seem to miss every single uh, work lunch that we have. It just Sorry, never Lauren. lines up for me. <laughs> so I went out and got lunch with two of our coworkers, Luke and Nate. We went to the Old Triangle. And I've never been there before, which I feel like I'm, I say all the time on this podcast. But I'm glad I got to go. It's definitely a, a staple pub in downtown Halifax. Mm-hmm. Did not disappoint. I got the um, burger with sweet potato fries, and it was amazing. Nothing, nothing better than just classic pub food mm-hmm. i love the old triangle yeah my kids love it too they have it's a great kids menu and mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah i've been there a couple times um i guess over this pandemic situation mm-hmm. and it's always been very safe mm-hmm. and they're very yeah. accommodating and spaced out a lot of yeah. people having um like lunch meetings yes yeah there. they are open open for lunch and yeah. their patio is great because mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah their patio yeah their patio was open this yeah. past week or oh, with the sun. Okay. yeah yeah we were going to sit on it but it was kind of shady so we went inside and yesterday I went to the Daily Grind at Bishop's Landing. It was so good. I never think to go to the Daily Grind for lunch, but every time I go there, I it's amazing. And they gave me they give me this massive mug of coffee, so much coffee, which I definitely needed yesterday. Very appreciated. And my friend and I got to sit outside. They have such a nice kind of wraparound mm-hmm. uh, deck there. Mm-hmm. And it was great. I loved sitting outside and getting a sandwich and salad. Kind of felt like summer, even though yeah. I did have a coat on. But it was great. I'm definitely tempted Can to go back. Can you a little bit of hope that summer is coming? It yeah. is coming. Yeah. It's Hopefully. just on the horizon. <laughs> yeah, so we had our March break staycation in downtown Halifax. Uh, March break ended last week. And we came downtown. We rented a room at the Marriott Courtyard, which is uh, by the Halifax Brewery. And we stayed there overnight. It was great. They have a pool. Their hot tub was open. So you just like rented or you, I guess, booked the pool time. So there was up to 10 people in the pool. Um, And that was really nice because it's kind of like a private swim, really. And then we walked the waterfront. It was a beautiful day. We walked the waterfront. We have a dog. So and also the Merritt Courtyard is Did you pick up our friend dog? We sure did. Excellent. (laughs) We always do. Um, and we took our dog for a walk down the boardwalk and we stopped at the hammocks and we played at the playground. And then of course we had to go to freak lunchbox. Mm-hmm. Um, and I waited outside with our dog while my husband took my, our daughters in and there was a huge lineup. There was a lot oh. of people waiting to go into freak lunchbox and people that kept coming to go in, um, really popular place. And they each got their own little box of of candy as a little special treat. And then for dinner that night, we went to the Stubborn Goat Gastropub, and the Stubborn Goat is always great. It's super mm-hmm. reliable. Their food is great. Ser- service is great. Um, and for our March break, they had kids eat free. So oh, the kids' right. menu. usually do that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it was great. And I would definitely – I haven't been – there in a while, but I'll definitely be going back. So that was our little March break vacation, and it's a good reminder that downtown Halifax is really family friendly. There's mm-hmm. lots of things to do with kids and people of all ages downtown. So definitely recommend coming down, and you can have your own vacation now that the weather's getting warmer. Yeah, yeah. that sounds yeah. like you had a fun week. Yeah, it was really yeah. fun. Yeah, I mean it was just a weekend, but it was nice. Um, downtown yeah. Halifax was always 
the go-to in March break when I was in school. We would always come up and yeah. stay at a hotel. And yeah. of course, you have to go to Free Lunch Box. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. always mine and my brother's special treat was we've got to go to Free Lunch, Free Lunch Box. Box. Yeah. yeah. And there's the, all the great attractions are in downtown. Yeah, Unfortunately, yeah. I wasn't able to go. We had the snow day, and we weren't able to go. Right, to, but yeah. I am hoping to get to the art gallery and some of those places over the mm-hmm. next couple of weeks. So, yeah. That's it for BizBuzz, guys. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thanks. This concludes episode 45 of Downtown Lowdown, recorded on March 25th, 2021. For more information, go to downtownhalifax.ca slash podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate and subscribe to Downtown Lowdown. And don't forget to follow at Downtown Halifax on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening.